Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am, as always, your lovely host, Mike. Now, uh, there's something that I've actually been thinking about quite a bit when it comes to the to films and film the film industry at, at large, and that is the use the, these kind of fads that uh, films and film uh, theaters tend to employ, and they've employed over the years. Uh, the kind of fads that I'm thinking of are things like uh, 3D and the 4D experiences. And a lot of people would say, well, you know, oh, yeah, they, some might remember that, oh, yeah, 3D was a thing back in, like, the 50s. That is very true. You know, there were 3D films. But the idea of 4D, they think that's a fairly new development. It's not. It really isn't. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Castle? I, I, you have to forgive me. I do not remember his first name. I want to say Frank, but it doesn't seem like it's right. But Mr. Castle owned some theaters. And one of the things that he decided to do was he would have these interactive things. He would have films that were made and have interactive uh, theater experiences. Uh, the House on Haunted Hill, for example, it was considered famous in which uh, at a particular point there was a scene with a skeleton. A skeleton on a rope would swing down by all the audience members right over their heads. Scare the hell out of them. There was a film called The Tingler, which had this kind of large, pincered, slug-looking thing. And at one point in the film, the screen would go completely black but you would still have audio. And it was, the, the thing was is that this, from the audio, you would have uh, the star Vincent Price of the film yell out, uh, the tingler is loose. Scream, scream for your lives. And there would be the audio cues on the th from the theater's audio of people who did recordings that were, you know, screaming, you know, it's on my leg. But he would also go and have plants people he had hired in the theater in the various seats who at particular points would scream as though there was a thing that was on them to make it a far more interactive experience and you know look the guy up he had done a lot of crazy crazy things in order to make the theater experience far more uh, interactive to make it much more of almost a carnival experience when you went to the films now, this was something that, of course, faded away. This uh, just, it wasn't so much, uh, it was that the kinds of films that would really have encouraged this were starting to fade from the public eye. They were, people were losing interest in it. They were getting into newer kinds of film genres that these kinds of silly, hokey things were no longer entertaining. Though I have to admit, it would be so cool to watch all of those films made for this kind of a theater and to watch it and, and to have all of these experiences with an audience. I think that would be really an interesting experience. But the idea of 4D is still around. All you have to look and to look no further to see that as truth is to look at Disney and at the Alamo Draft House, for example. 
at the Alamo Draft House. They have the 4D chair experiences. You pay extra money. Uh, you watch a 3D film in, and you're in these special chairs, and you know had the movements and various things. Uh, Disney, uh, I went to Disney World years and years and years ago, and they had, you know, a couple of theaters at the time. I don't think it's around anymore. Was the Muppet 3D Experience, which was just a 3D film experience, but then you had the. Uh, 4D theater, the Bugs Life thing in the Animal Kingdom, the Tree of Life theater. And it was a 3D and 4D experience because they had stuff that was uh, activated within the chair. So it's kind of like going to a castle production in that case. You are watching a 3D film and then the stuff was happening around you and, you know, to you. So I suppose in a way I had gotten a chance to experience that, just not with, you know, films I was, uh, would want to see, I suppose. You know, Bugs Life is fine and all, but it's not, uh, not, it's a very Disney experience. So uh, there you go. But they also had, you know, various 40 interactive kinds of uh, entertainments. How you look at the various Star Wars, the ride kind of stuff at Disney with the herky-jerky seats. Though it's not quite the same as it's... It's not like a 3D film experience where it's jumping out at you. Still, these, these are the kinds of things that are... That, kind of, that constantly keep popping up. The film industry is always looking for some new angle to get new more people into theaters. Uh, theater owners are looking at how to do that to get more butts and seats. And studios are looking to provide those kinds of uh, films to theaters in order to get more revenue. The thing is, is that everyone thinks that the theaters are one very separate group and the studio is one separate group. At one point, that might have been true. It hasn't been true for many, many years. Quite often, there are very deeply enmeshed partnerships and business deals that go back decades that uh, kind of almost put them in under the same entertainment umbrella. In some cases, studios through shell corporations own theater chains. So it, it's, it's a weird kind of intertwined, incestuous kind of meshing of these two things. The, the creators of the entertainment and the providers of the entertainment, the venue. It's odd. It's as though you were a rock band and you went and put on a concert at the stadium, but you also owned the stadium. Or at least owned a large stake in it. So yeah, it's it's a bit of an odd thing there. But what's this, this is kind of like I said, this is a emblematic of the whole industry is that these kinds of things will come in and then fade away, but then years later come back again. You know, three D has been going in and out of favor with theaters and with studios. 
for much longer than the 50s. I mean, there were some really old films that that they tried going the whole 3D route once they figured out how to do 3D films. And so it was, you know, that it was a brand new thing. It's 3D. And then it would come into existence and then it would fade away. It, the first time it happened, it came in and it faded away almost immediately. It dissipated so quick. And then again, around the 50s, it came back again and it stayed around for a little while. And this is about the same time that, you know, uh, Castle was doing uh, the his version of 4D experiences along with 3D films alongside. And that was, I, I personally think, uh, much closer to the beginning of 4D experiences, the combining of 3D plus uh, external stimuli outside of the 3D viewing. But then that faded as people's attentions and movie tastes changed and that faded into obscurity until it was one of those things where people were like either fondly remembering in a nostalgic kind of way or were looking back on it going, oh, that was stupid, wasn't it? It was just a fad. Well, these things, these are cyclical. They, you know, they fade in and out, fade in and out. I mean, that's what a fad is. It's one letter away from fade. It fades in, it's popular, and it fades out. But it's cyclical. It keeps coming back. Like bad fashion ideas. In and out of fashion. In and out. It just depends on what uh, theaters and the studios think. The audiences are either clamoring for or they see a potential to get new uh, customers. To get new people to watch these films by adding something new and different. When you watch the, uh, oh, you know, and I'm not saying that uh, 3D hasn't changed and evolved. You know, back in the day, it was, you had to wear the little glasses that one lens was red and one lens was blue. Because it was kind of phased that way in the film itself. You watched it without it, it was blurry as hell. You watch it with it, and it's kind of this reddish-bluish tinge. But it was three-dimensional. And things, and that has changed, that has evolved, much like from the uh, external stimuli of Castle's ideas, you know, the swinging skeleton, the plants in the theater, the surplus U.S. military uh, little electric motors that would give you a zap in the butt. Oh yeah, he did that. <laughs> he most certainly did that to the more sophisticated ways in which these fads now operate in. The active shutter technology in 3D glasses, so you can still watch the film uh, without it, but with the active shutter, it now has very much a 3D appearance. Though, unfortunately, I can't really say too many good things about 3D film. Personally, you see, I can't watch things in 3D. Now, I wear glasses. I have to because without them, I can't see dick. But when I wear, and so it's impossible for me to wear my glasses with the active shutter thing normally. 
And then they made those things for people with glasses because, uh, you know, manufacturers realized, oh, shit, a bunch of people wear glasses and not contacts. So they made these little things that kind of would fit over your glasses. I tried that. And the results of both times, if I just wear the, the active shutter thing without my glasses or with the things over my glasses, the results were pretty much the same. I would watch, and after about five minutes, I would have a splitting headache. And I couldn't do any more. And that headache would last, man. It would last for up to like 15, 20 minutes after I'd taken the damn things off. It was, it's agony for me. I don't think I'm a unique case. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people who have the same problem. I don't know what it is whether it's the active shuttering thing, how it affects the way I see. Is it because of my the fact that I can't see that well with or without the glasses? Well, I can't see without them. But uh, I, I don't know if, it's, if that has something to do with it or what. All I know is I can't watch 3D films. So I can't really say they're good things. Because to me, they're awful. They're torture devices. Five minutes after I put, them in, I put them on and start watching, I have a raging headache, and I want everything to stop screaming at me. So yeah, when it comes to the 4D experiences, I've had those. I've had those experiences. Uh, the other one with the 3D, which was uh, not active shutter in the glasses themselves, that one... Shit, a lot, shit alive, I cannot watch those. But there's the ones that are that don't do the active shuttering. Those I can I can tolerate. I can use those. I still have kind of a, a minor a minor ache. But that takes a bit of time. It takes close to an hour before that starts to affect me. So I, I can at least sit through that. So I was able to sit through like the Bugs Life 40 theater thing. Uh, when it comes to the 4D experience, if um, if it's done well and it, it follows along with the film that you're watching, I can absolutely attest that uh, it it is kind. Of, it's a lot of fun and it's it's you know it's cute and all. I don't know if I'm willing to do like say with the uh, what Alamo Theater does and pay extra for those kinds of seats. Honestly. Once you've, ex you've experienced it once, you don't need to experience it again. At least that's my, my personal opinion on it. I just don't see a major reason to go back and do it again. I just don't. But, you know, I'm pretty sure... I'm, the way I'm thinking is already... Because I remember it was a number of years ago, and they had come out with the active shuttering thing. And it was this big thing, and it was really big, and it was really huge. And then it started to trail off, and no longer were uh, these films coming out specifically for that. And it was they were really pushing it hard for the, uh, not the theater market, but for the at-home market. You can watch these really interesting and great 3D films at home. And you had to buy the special player, special Blu-ray player, the active shuttering that came with the active shuttering glasses one pair by the way 
So if uh, you were a family of four, I guess you're watching it one at a time. Or you paid extra and bought more. Really, I thought that was just kind of a waste. But that's the kind that really gives me a headache and hates life. So I suppose I'm a little biased there. And there hasn't, there's no, of course, no way to get some kind of 4D experience at home. You have to go to a theater. And while they're still around, like I said, Alamo Draft House, and you have those specif- those very uh, special cases, like over in uh, Disney. But uh, I don't know. I don't hear that many people clamoring for it, or they're huge fans of the thing. It's just like, eh, it's an extra expense. I just want to watch the film. Can I just watch the movie? I think at this point, 3D has already begun to fade, has already faded from existence for the most part. It's still clinging on as it tends to in small, very niche ways, much like it has in other, as it has, you know, in times past, where it faded away from the mainstream view but it clung on into these little things and these little niches and it's just stayed there. And I think that it's probably going to fade a bit more and people are just going to kind of forget about it again. And maybe 15, 20 years from now, it'll be this new resurgence with new technology. I know everyone's talking about virtual reality and that kind of thing and I don't know if that will work with films. Films kind of need very particular kinds of camera setups. You can't just have the audience wandering around in a scene because then it would get prohibitively expensive to build a fucking set for people to just wander around in. I don't know what the next big fad in films is going to be. I'm not really sure. Because, you know, you have 3D that kind of comes in and out periodically, like bell-bottom pants. Uh, 4D, it's really, it really is something that's much more akin to a carnival. So it's going to kind of cling on as kind of almost a carnival-like novelty. And I think that's a good way to describe it. it. It's novelty. And once the newness wears off of something novel, it's not interesting anymore. That's kind of where I am with uh, the, the whole idea of 4D. 3D, every time there's like a new advancement or some new thing, it's uh, it comes out, it's big for a little bit, and then it fades away. It's There's no staying power there, let's just say. The novelty very quickly wears off. You have those major problems. You know, I'm not the only one who get who got those major headaches from those active shuttering glasses. So there is there there's a chance that as it comes along, that not it, there'll be in some new layer of novelty to it, and people will want to try it again. And then the novelty will wear off and it fades away again. Who knows if it that will ever stop? I don't really see it ever stopping, really. But as far as new fads when it comes to films, uh, 
I don't know. I know there was a time they they were trying the whole like almost pick your own adventure style idea of film. They did that with actually uh, a Netflix. The uh, oh, what was it? Uh, Black was it the Black Mirror? The Bandersnatch. I I know that was like a choose your own adventure kind of thing. That was an interesting little experiment, and that's what I view it as an experiment. It was interesting. Uh, it would make production pretty clunky. But then you have YouTubers who've done the same thing. Uh, Markiplier did that. He, you know, really big YouTuber, rather popular. He did that. You know, the choose your own, choose your own action, choose the actions of what I will do in this sequence of events. That's interesting. Uh, James Rolfe of Angry Video Game Nerd. He did the same thing for one of his shows, you know, Choose Your Own Ending. Again, there was an interesting kind of novel quality to it. Makes it a little clunky, but, you know, early days. Is that something that we'll see in the theater? Who knows? I, I can never put anything past the studio at this point. If they smell money, and they smell opportunity to make more money, oh yeah, they'll jump on it like a starving dog on a bone. I just don't know what what they'll do next at this point. But, you know, it's that's the nature of just about anything. There's always going to be, if it's entertainment, you need to find ways to keep it fresh, keep it exciting, to get people to stay in your particular entertainment sphere. Because if you think about it, uh, theaters and studios have to really fight to get people in the seats to watch their films. You have television. It used to be just broadcast and they were able to kind of neuter that a bit. Oh yeah, sure. You know, there, there are things you can do to kind of mitigate. Oh, you only watch uh, edited movies and you can only watch TV shows, but we're giving you the movie experience. But then, kind of, uh, regular TV faded out of existence in terms of relevance because of streaming services. Now, you can binge watch an entire couple of seasons of shows in a sitting. You can watch full-length movies, sometimes the director's cuts of films, rather than the theatrical cuts. You can see all these things without having to go to the theater. You're spending a small amount of money and watching it at home without having to go somewhere. And then you, of course, have uh, video games. Video games are also are, have become a big part of the entertainment culture. You know, so all of these things are pulling at a finite member number of audience members that will be in a theater. So, yeah, I really do think that theaters are always on the lookout for some way, some hook, some new fad to get people to come into the theater and to get them excited to come in and see it and stay and watch all these films in this new and exciting way. And then people lose interest and then now we're back, back to the drawing board. Got to find some other new way to get these asses in the seats. So yeah, I, I don't see, I don't really don't see studios and theaters giving up on the idea of some kind of novelty. 
some kind of interesting little fad that will get everyone excited and come back to the theaters, if only for a brief moment. But I don't know. I mean, they, the competition, it gets stiffer and stiffer every year. Video games are becoming almost cinematic in quality. It, they really do. And they, they craft incredibly compelling stories and characters on their own, along with beautiful settings. So there's some real stiff competition in that particular direction. Again, the streaming services, a lot of them, they have deals with studios, but some don't have those deals and are trying to push and become uh, film producers themselves. Uh, Netflix, for example. But then you have Amazon. Amazon is a big surprise as they came out and they almost seem to be competing with, in a minor way, with YouTube, but mainly with Netflix and Hulu and pushing out a lot of films that they will back financially. So the field is kind of wide open at this point, and who knows what the theaters will do, what fad that they will latch onto in order to get your money. But yeah, it's an interesting thing, and really you should uh, do a little bit of looking up on how a lot of these, especially you know Castle and how he did uh, his interesting take on the 4D experience and all of the crazy, crazy shit he would do just to get people excited, wanting to come to his theaters and to sit through these experiences because of all the just the crazy shit he would do and have his employees do just to get a bit of an edge in the market. If fascinating. Hell, I think there was even a movie made about him. And it starred uh, John Goodman. And <clears throat> did it get everything right? No, of course not. But it's still compelling. It really is. It was a compelling story, and it was a compelling, interesting way of doing things. Uh, <laughs> please, look, look up that, look him up, and look at what he was able to pull off with his theaters. It's, it's almost too much to read occasionally because it's just some of the stuff that he would do. The army surplus motors. There were warnings on it, you know, not to exceed certain you know, voltages because it could cause, you know, serious physical harm. And he was like, eh, we'll just uh, tear that off. And then it's, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, please look, look that guy up. There was, there's lots of crazy shit that he did and it's really funny. Please. Oh, please do that. But uh, I think that's all I've got on the subject when it comes to fads in the films. So uh, I'm going to call it a day. But you know what? You guys stay safe out there, and I'll catch you next time. <laughs>